Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Join us today as we explore the word-giving, insightful solutions for day-to-day living. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now, on to today's message. How are we doing, Thrive Church? All right. Good to be with you guys today. I'm excited what God did last week at our baptism bash to see people uh, publicly profess in faith in Jesus. Wasn't that that awesome to attend that? Um, I love it every time. Let me encourage you as a believer, never take a baptism bash off, as I said last week. That's your chance to see what God is doing uh, through your prayers and through your giving and through your sacrifice. People who served in the parking lot, guess what? They had a part in in those baptisms. People who served in kids' ministries, guess what? They had a part for those who uh, got baptized. Those who did cafe, those who did work, those who did anything here at this church played a big part in that. Let me encourage you. Thank you. You guys for your faithfulness. Uh, today, after our worship experience, if you're interested, we're going to have our 101. We'll be in our cafe, and I'm going to be leading that, sharing about what Thrive Church is all about. And then our 301 Big Step membership will be over in our student ministries room across the way over here. We have a meal prepared for you, and that's where you can become a member at Thrive. Some of you will say, why membership? Does that really matter in today's world? Um, I personally believe it does. Here's what it says. It says, I believe in the vision. I believe in what God is doing here at this church, and I want to partner with that. I believe in it. And so it's almost like this band of brothers that come together uh, to do the work of God together. If you're interested, 301 will be over in the student ministries room and then 101 right over here. But today, I hope you guys are excited. We're kicking off a brand new three-week series in the book of 2 Thessalonians. Now, one of the things we love to do at Thrive is teach verse-by-verse series. Um, As a preacher, it's easy for me to cheat. It is. It's easy to pick Joshua crossing over the Jordan, right? It's easy to pick David slaying glass, easy stuff to preach, right? It's, there's certain stuff that's just really easy to preach. And what I realized as someone who sat in the crowd for many years is I was never taught the, the scriptures in context. And so what we like to do throughout the years, have several verse-by-verse series where we look at the, the letter in the context in which it was written, right? Like when you send an email to somebody or a Facebook message or a text message, what if that person just took one sentence? And that's what they use the whole time about you. That would feel like, that's not fair, is it? Well, the Bible was written as a conversation. And today we're going to look at a 2,000-year-old letter from the Apostle Paul who wrote to a church in the Middle East in the first century. He had a lot to say to him, and we're going to unpack that. So if you have your copy of God's Word, go ahead and turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. And we're going to look today at the danger of maintenance mode. The danger of maintenance mode. There was a flight that left Newark in 2009 that headed to New York. And as they got ready to leave, uh, Captain Renslow and co-captain Shaw began to talk about their flight. And the first officer, Shaw, was talking about how sick she was feeling, how bad she was, the week that she had, all the things that she had faced. And, the, and so the pilot, like a good pilot, was talking to her the whole time about it. They were exchanging stories. He was sympathizing. Um, but the thing is, on this short flight, as it began to make descent, they continued to talk. And there's something called a sterile cockpit when you're flying that when a plane makes descent, you don't talk about 
anything but what? The plane. And they continued to talk about what she was going through, ears popping, the trouble she was facing, the hardships, and they left it on kind of on just autopilot. And all, all of a sudden they heard the alerts go off. And when the pilot heard that, he freaked and he pulled up on the plane instead of pushing down. And the plane went to a complete nosedive. His last words was he called on the name of the Lord. And that plane crashed. And what the NTSB did, they did a study over several years and found out that out of 38 flights, 31 of them crashed because the pilots neglected to pay attention to the controls. They neglected to monitor what was going on. And in this case, they were talking about her troubles. They were so focused on her troubles, so focused on her sickness, they actually crashed the plane. They left it on autopilot. You know, the same is true about our lives. I know we're not like physically flying planes, but sometimes we get so focused on our hardships and so focused on other things that we put our life on autopilot, don't we? Let's be real. We put our spiritual lives on autopilot. We put our marriages on autopilot. We put raising our kids on autopilot. We put serving God on autopilot. And so we kind of, when we go through tough times, we compartmentalize and we put things on autopilot. And let me tell you, when you put something on autopilot or maintenance mode, it will crash eventually. Because it causes you to pay attention to things that don't really matter. I don't think anybody, including the captain on that flight, would have said, you know, I think what's more important right now than find this pet plane is talking about what you're going through. Right? Does anybody agree? Like, do you think any passenger that died would have been like, no, it's okay. They should have been focused on the cold that she had. No, they should have been focused on the mission that they were on. And they had one mission, that was to land the plane. And again, in our lives, we can get so focused on other things, we forget the mission that we're on. And today, we're going to look at a church 2,000 years ago called the church at Thessalonica. It was in the Middle, Middle East. It was a small, fledgling church. If you read Acts 17, I encourage you to do that. You can see how this church got started. Now, here's what's cool about it. Remember in the first century, like Christianity was just a couple thousand people. It wasn't hundreds upon hundreds of millions like it is today. It was just a, a, you know, a few thousand people. In Thessalonica, there were no Christians at all. Say none. Okay, does that paint the picture for you? The Apostle Paul, the greatest Christian that probably ever lived, goes into Thessalonica and in three weeks, him, Silas, and Timothy actually launch a church, establish elders, raise a church up, and they're on to the next one. I'm pretty impressed with that. What about you? Three weeks, people begin to come to know Jesus in three weeks. Never heard of Jesus, never heard of Christianity. And they launched this church in a very pagan city where there actually were more Greeks than Jews. Usually where Paul went, there was as many Jews as there were Greeks because Greeks believed different than Jews. Um, if you study that New Testament breakdown there. And what they were facing in that church is they were facing extreme persecution. If you read Acts 17, Jason, who was helping them, that's a great Greek name, right? It's like a 21st century name. Uh, Jason, who was helping them, was actually drugged out of his house and beaten because the officials saw that he had helped Paul and his friends. Very hostile to the gospel. 
But one thing about Thessalonica and this little church there was they were very faithful to the gospel. They were very faithful to what they were facing. They wanted to continue to share the gospel. They really believed in Jesus. See, in the first century, when I say persecution, I don't mean what we face today. You think of somebody doesn't like your Facebook post about Jesus, that's persecution. <laughs> you think somebody unfriending you, right? Blocking you is persecution. What they faced was they lost their families. Families wanted nothing to do with them for serving Jesus. This weird new religion and this guy who raised from the dead. They lost their jobs many times because they were attached to the worship of other gods like in Ephesus. And they also got beaten. And so when they faced persecution, it was like, if I serve Jesus, I lose everything. Now in America, we can kind of like dibble and dabble with Jesus and still have our life too. That's not what they faced. But this little church here did not give up. They weren't the church that said, you know what, because we're facing all this, let's just shut it down. Let's just hunker down. But they wanted to impact the people around them. And I'll show you that in the scripture. Let's go ahead and read what Paul wrote them. This is the second letter. He wrote a first letter to them. Um, he didn't write a second one because they were dull. <laughs> he wrote a second one because he really loved them and wanted to encourage them. And the way this worked was this. Now we have verses and all that stuff. When it was written in the first century, it was just one long letter. And what the pastor would do is he would stand up and he would read that whole letter to the congregation. Now we're going to read 12 verses. And some of you are going to glaze over on me as I'm reading 12 verses. You'll be like, oh, cold daylight savings times. I'm not, listen, I'm not reading the whole letter to you, right? We're not doing it like the first century church. You actually get a break today. And what I hope you will do is each, each week read along with us before you get here. So maybe I can answer some questions for you. It opens up and says, this letter is from Paul, Silas, and Timothy. We are writing to the church in Thessalonica to who you belong, to God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And verse 2 is a common greeting in all Paul's letters. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Verse 3 says, Dear brothers and sisters, we can't help but thank God for you because your faith is flourishing and your love for one another is growing. We proudly tell God's other churches about your endurance and your faithfulness, watch this, in all persecutions and hardships you're suffering. And God will use this persecution to show his justice and to make you worthy of his kingdom for which you are suffering. In his justice, he will pay back those who persecute you. Now, I want you in verses 6 through 10 to realize that Paul's going to get pretty tough here. Just talk about fire and judgment and those things. Here's what Paul's telling that church. God's got your back. People who are doing you wrong, that refuse to believe upon Jesus, don't worry. They will get theirs. You hang in there. And look what Paul says to them. I'm just breaking that down for you. And God will provide rest for you who are being persecuted and also for us when the Lord, when the Lord Jesus appears from heaven. That's encouraging, right? So if you're tired of being persecuted, when Jesus comes back, then you'll get some rest. <laughs> Not anytime soon, though. <laughs> he will come with his mighty angels in flaming fire, bringing judgment on those who do not know God and those who refuse to obey the good news or the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with eternal destruction forever separated from the Lord and from his glorious power. When he comes on that day, he will receive glory from his holy people, praise from all 
who believe, and this includes you, speaking to the church at Thessalonica, for you believe what we told you about him, him being Jesus. So we keep on praying for you, and I love this, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. Let me pause one second, and, and I hate to talk to you while I'm reading the text, but, but let me do this. When you see what Paul prays, prayed for people in the first century, highlight that, and why don't you pray that for your children and your family and your friends. Just saying, his, his prayers make great impact. You may want to take some notes there. So he says, he's asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. And this is what I want you to draw your attention to here. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. Then the name of our Lord Jesus will be honored because of the way you live. And you will be honored along with him. This is all made possible because of the grace of our God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's today's big idea. Maintenance mode Christians miss the opportunity because of hardships. Maintenance mode Christians miss the opportunity because of hardships. Now if any church could have said, Paul, 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 look man, we're not going to be prompted to do anything. We're not going to advance forward anymore. We've done all we want to do. We keep getting beaten. We keep, uh, keep getting um, ostracized. We don't want to move the gospel forward. I mean, I think Second Thessalonians here, that church, could have been maintenance mode community church, couldn't they? Didn't they have every right to hunker down and not try to move forward? Would you agree with that? Didn't they have every reason to say, you know what, I'm not doing anymore. They had every right to do that. But Paul prayed that God would give them power to accomplish all the good things their faith prompts them to do. Meaning that they must have had things in their heart they wanted to do for their community. What they wanted to do for their neighbors. And Paul was encouraging them for God to give them power to do those things. See, maintenance mode Christians miss opportunities because we're going through hardships. There's an opportunity for that, those pilots to land the plane correctly, right? And they didn't. See, in our lives, we go into maintenance mode as well when we go into hardships. If you're like me, when you go through a tough time, you start looking inwardly, don't you? You start thinking about yourself when you suffer. You start thinking about you. And what happens when we go into maintenance mode, we miss the opportunities that God has for us. I mean, think about it. You're like, go on a mission trip, raise money for Nicaragua. I'm trying to raise money for my light bill. You're like, Get my kids to church. I can't even get out of the bed on Sunday mornings. I'm tired. You're talking about serving on a serve team and parking cars in cold weather. As a matter of fact, let's give a hand for those guys who are out there today doing that. Amen. I mean, you're talking about helping with a building fund. I'm trying to cover my mortgage and I can't even do that. You see what I'm saying? You share the gospel with my friends. Look, bro, if I keep sharing the gospel with my friends, I ain't going to have any friends. <laughs> They're tired of it. And so when we go through hard times, we often get to a place where we refuse to advance. We usually go back into a shell, don't we? And when we do that, we miss the opportunities. Now, let, let, let me say this. I'm going to preface this. The text doesn't talk about this, so I'm not going to spend time on it. But success can do the same thing for you, too. A lot of people come to church wanting God to help them and once he helps them, you don't see them anymore. 
They come to church lonely and once they find that person, you don't see them anymore. I'm just, I'm preaching much better than you guys are helping me in here today because you know it's true. You know, you pray for a financial breakthrough and God gives you the breakthrough and we, we ain't seen you because you're riding around in your boat on Sundays. But I'm not going to preach on that today. I'm, I'm talking about hardships, right? I'm not going into all that. I'm talking about hardships. We're talking about hardships today. So why does this matter so much? This matters because we have two choices in our life to impact. That's temporal or that's eternal. Temporal or eternal. Meaning that when when you go into maintenance mode, here's what happens. You focus on temporal things. Bank accounts, car payments, sleep, myself, everything that I need. And Satan wants you to focus on temporary things that will be destroyed. He does not want you thinking about eternal things. He doesn't want you thinking about your neighbor. He doesn't want to think, have you thinking about mission trips. He doesn't want to have you thinking about people far from God. He does not want you to do that. And anytime hardship comes, you will have the enemy of your soul saying, hey, 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 just back off a little bit. Just back off a little bit. You don't need to press in any further. You're going through a tough time. He'll make you say, what about me? What about me? I'm not worried about everybody else. I'm worried about me. And if we're not careful, we will allow hardships to put us in maintenance mode. And when we go in maintenance mode, we miss the opportunities that God has for us in our lives. So how do we stay focused? How do we stay focused and fight through maintenance mode? I've got one point for you today. One point. Make it easy on you. It's daylight savings time. I understand most of y'all stayed up too late anyway. You didn't. You all had plans to go to sleep early, didn't you? Amen. You thought you were going to bed at 8.30. It turned into 10.30, which was then 11.30, and you're tired this morning. So I got one point for you. If you're not tired, I can add some more. Okay, okay. One point. Keep focused on the mission of God. How do we fight through maintenance mode? Keep focused on the mission of God. And what is that? Helping people find their way back to God. Keep focused on the mission of God. See, Thessalonica had their faith prompting them to do things. They didn't want to stop where they were at. And the Apostle Paul recorded that I'm going to pray for you that God would give you power to continue to do that. And in our lives, listen to me, the way that you fight maintenance mode is you have to stay focused on the mission of God. And what is that? It's helping people find their way back to God. And during tough times, when you focus on you, what do you miss? You miss the opportunities for others. To help others. To be engaged for other people. And and I'm going to tell you, that Christianity is so weird because it is not this gimme, 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 bless me faith that we've seen on TV. Somebody please say amen. Amen. The Bible actually says that when you give, God gives to you. You become generous as you give out. He says that if you want to be watered, guess what you do? You water somebody else. It's never that you get more by gaining more and pulling more in. It's never that you do that. It is always in your life, listen to me, when you begin to do the exact opposite of what the world tells you to do. It's an upside down kingdom. I remember in my life, you know, we launched this location here, the Chesterfield location. When I moved here, it was a tough time. My mom got diagnosed with terminal cancer. I mean, you guys know the story of that. It was a tough season in my life. And so, literally, I'm sitting there working on stuff while my mom's, you know, like, there and she's sleeping at hospice and I'm working on things and, and it was very emotionally tough for me. But, but let me tell you what I could have done 
What I could have done is said, man, this is just too tough. We're not launching this thing. This is just too tough on me. But I'm going to tell you what I believed in my heart, that there were people who needed to find their way back to God. There were Christians who had walked away from Jesus. There were Christians who had been disconnected from church. There were non-believers who needed to come to know Jesus. And that's what spurred me on during a tough time. I did not want to miss the opportunity that God had for me, right? And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that we're here today. Amen? I'm thankful. Yeah, it was the toughest time of my life when we launched this location. Well, two years later, we had the opportunity to launch another location. We make the decision in May. And my dad goes into ICU with a botched liver surgery in June. And now I'm driving back and forth to Greenville, North Carolina, with my dad dying, watching the strongest man that I ever knew. I mean, the man could drink two pints of whiskey and still, you know, do business deals. He was just, he was just like, to me, I was like, man, this guy's tough. Nothing could ever take him out. And I'm watching the strongest man ever I've ever seen die. And we're getting ready to launch a campus. And I'm thinking, why in the world am I doing this? I'm sitting there with my dad dying and people are texting me that their, toenail, their ingrown toenail needs prayer. People texting me, I wish that you wouldn't preach so much scripture and I wish you would, do, I wish that your worship was more spiritual. I'm sitting there, I'm telling my wife, why am I doing this? Why? You know what I ought to do? Go find a real job where I can get off at five and I ain't got to worry about it. And I'm telling you, that's where I was at in that season because I was under so much stress and pressure. Why did we launch another campus? Why did we go and do that? And I'm sitting there and the only thing that kept me going there's not only some great, awesome people that were so faithful here that are amazing at this, at this uh, campus, but I knew that there were people who needed to find their way back to God. I knew there were people who needed to come to know Jesus. At that church building in 15 years, they had not baptized anybody. They had been singing Kumbaya and we'll all get to heaven. And they were literally getting there quick. Um, <laughs> they were dying off minute by minute. And, and, and I wanted to see, like we saw last week, people go down to the waters of baptism and come back up. I wanted to see God do something awesome. The only thing that kept me out of maintenance mode, listen to me, was keeping focused on the mission of God. Now, in the future, I want to launch more locations. That's my heart. We're going to be planting a church this year with Stefan and Lloyd. It won't be a Thrive Church. We're going to plant a church with them, and we're going to do that. Now, I, I, each time I have launched a Thrive location, though, I've lost a family member. So I called my brother last week. He's, I said, Daniel, <laughs> I don't know when, but we're going to launch a little Thrive location. Brother, I, I don't know if your heart's right with Jesus, but you... No, I'm joking. <laughs> it's my story. I can make... I can laugh at it, okay? Is that too far? hard is this, is that when you go through tough times, you can miss the opportunity. Do you know opportunities are like expiration dates? It's like milk. You've got to jump through the window of the opportunity. Every opportunity has a lifetime. And you've got to make decisions in that time to do it. And what the enemy of your soul wants you to do is once you go, oh, I'm just, oh, mm, oh, it's me. And, and the whole time you're doing that, you miss the window. You miss the window. Every time you step out to do something for Jesus, let me tell you, something's going to hit you. I talked to somebody today who was serving at Thrive. And they said, man, I've been wanting to serve and want to get involved. And doggone it, I got sick this week. 
God said, I refuse to let this sickness stop me. And they got up and they served. And I didn't give them a hug because I didn't want to be sick with them. But, but, but if you're always waiting for perfect opportunity or perfect circumstances for the opportunity, you're going to miss it in your life. How do we fight through? You've got to stay focused on the mission of God. Think about this. Jesus, while he was on the cross, humiliated, beaten beyond recognition, bloodied, naked, laying on a cross, being mocked. He didn't go, oh, woe is me. He looked next to him and said, hey man, can I lead you? Can Can I lead you back to God? Can I help you find your way back? There's a thief on the cross that's in heaven because when Jesus went through hardship, he didn't shrink back. So, oh, he said, man, hey, let me help you. Think about the apostle Paul when he was in prison, dungeon, dirt, urinating on himself, shackled up. And he starts talking to the jailer and singing songs and singing praises and people get saved while he was in prison. Oh, one of my favorite stories in the New Testament is a man named Stephen. And we're here today because of Stephen. In Acts 6 and Acts 7. The Apostle Paul, before he became a Christian, was a really mean Jewish leader. And his goal was to kill Christians. And so he finds this one guy named Stephen. And Stephen's proclaiming the gospel that Jesus is the only way. He is Lord. He came. He died. He rose again. And yes, he will judge the heavens and the earth. He is Lord. He was preaching the, I mean, he was preaching a good sermon. And the apostle Paul ordered for him to be stoned to death. So they took Stephen and all these Jewish religious leaders picked up stones and began to throw big boulders and stones at him and hit him. And Stephen, during that time, didn't shrink down, didn't take off running. He prays for them. It says that his face shone like an angel. And he gave up his spirit to God. He died. And I firmly believe, listen to me, I firmly believe that the apostle Paul who was ordering that to happen was standing there looking, I believe with all of my heart, that was what changed his life before he ever came to know Jesus. I believe he saw something in Stephen. He looked at him and said, man, how could this guy be going through the worst? We're stoning him and he's praying for us. We're killing him and he's loving us. Christianity must be real. Stephen was helping people find their way back to God through the worst hardship of his life. See, the only way you're ever going to fight maintenance mode is you've got to keep focused on the mission of God. When you're at the 7-Eleven, when your, your waitress comes to your table, when you're around your co-workers, when you're with your family, when, when you're serving at church, whatever you're doing, the only way to fight maintenance mode is to keep focused on the mission of God. And I, I close with this story. Many of you guys know the story of the Titanic, but what you don't know is the story of John Harper. John Harper was a preacher from Glasgow, Scotland. And he was traveling on the Titanic. Him and his family were traveling over to preach at D.L. Moody's church in Chicago. There's something called the Moody Bible Institute you may have heard of, but but that was when D.L. Moody was alive and Glasgow was going to preach the gospel over there. And the Titanic was coming across. And you know the story as the Titanic went down in the icy waters. John Harper and his family were on that boat. 
People were fighting for boats. They were fighting for life jackets. They were fighting for blankets. They were freezing to death in the cold, icy waters. And what John Harper did is he went to every person on that boat while they were still on there. He said, do you know Jesus? Can I lead you in the sinner's prayer? Do you want to know Jesus? Do you want to know Jesus? And he went to every person he could find. And then when the boat went down, you know what John did? He jumped in the water and he swam the lifeboats. And at the lifeboats, he was freezing this in. Can, can I lead you in the sinner's prayer? Will you accept Jesus? Repent and give your life to Jesus and thou shalt be saved. And he went to boat to boat doing this. He made it to the last boat. And he froze to death, leading a man to the Lord. And four years after that in Ontario, Canada, that man shared his testimony in church. He was the last convert of John Harper ever. John Harper should have been fighting for blankets, right? He should have been fighting for a lifeboat. He should have been fighting for maintenance mode. But John Harper stayed focused on the mission of God. And even while he was in his last breath, he was leading people to Jesus. That's the only way, guys, we can fight maintenance mode. If you're going to be a part of Thrive, let me encourage you about something. I don't comfort the afflicted. I afflict the comfortable. You didn't get that, did you? And as a church, number one, I want every one of you to engage the mission of God. I don't want you to miss the opportunities. And as a church, we're going to continue to engage the mission of God here to, to help people find their way back to God. This week when you leave here, you're going to find opportunities to help people find their way back to God. But if you're so focused on self, you'll miss them. If you're so focused on self, you'll miss them. Don't let your hardships help you miss the opportunity. You can do this. Let's pray, guys. Father, today we thank you for a small fledgling church in the first century that the Apostle Paul wrote to. That he was praying that you would give them power for them to accomplish all the things their faith prompted them to do. If any church should have been in hunker down mode and made this mode, it should have been the church at Thessalonica. But God, I thank you that that church made impact. And Father, today I pray for every person in here under the sound of my voice who is going through hardships right now. We all are, God. Father, what I pray for all of us in here, including myself, is, Lord, may we not miss the opportunity because of the hardships. May we not put our lives on autopilot, our spiritual lives on autopilot, sharing the gospel on autopilot. May we not put our marriages on autopilot or, or parenting our children on autopilot, God, because of hardships. Today, I pray that you would help all of us stay focused on the mission of God. Help us stay focused on your mission of helping people find their way back to you through Jesus. Empower us, God. May you give us the power in here to accomplish all the good things our faith prompts us to do, God. We call out to you in this place today, Jesus. And we ask for that. And as we're praying in here today, church, together, if you come to Thrive today and you know that you need to surrender your life to Jesus, that you want to make the greatest decision that you've ever made in your life, there's nobody looking around at you. There's nobody, you know, trying to see what this is between me, you, and God. And you say, Kevin, today, I want to recommit or commit my life to Jesus. I want to live on mission for God. 
I want to know Jesus. If that's you today, I'm going to simply ask you, the count of three, just to lift your hand up. It's between me, you, and God. One, two, three. Is there anybody that says, that's me? Amen. Amen. That's me. Your hand's going up. That's me. That's me. Amen. That's me. That's me. Right where you're sitting right now, I want you to pray this prayer with me. It's a confession of faith. Romans 10, 9 and 10, 10 says, For if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So I want you, whether you raise your hand or maybe you didn't and you want to commit or recommit your life to Jesus, I want you today to pray this with me. Say, Father God, I admit that I am a sinner. But I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again to wash away my sins. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe He is Lord. And today, I confess Jesus as my Lord. I commit my life to Him. And it's in your precious name that I pray. Amen. Church, put your hands together, guys. People took next steps for Jesus. Amen. Amen. Listen, I I don't know what you're going through today, but I know that some of you are facing hardships you never thought you would face. And one of the things you had to do is you had to proclaim and you had to verbalize that you believe God can do it, right? That God can get you through it. I want you to stand to your feet and I want you to sing with our worship team and proclaim today. I want you to worship and put your hands together and, and proclaim that nothing is impossible no matter what you're facing and what you're going through. Let's worship, guys. Come on.